Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for tuning in to ALRPRA Incorporated Law Practice Management Radio. ALRPRA Incorporated is a national law practice management agency headquartered in DuPage County, Illinois, and serving greater Chicago, Los Angeles, New York, and Washington, D.C. The ALRPRA team helps law firm and business patrons spend more time servicing their clients by professionally managing production and promotion activities. The ALRPRA production division, called Pleading Drafter, focuses on law firm, attorney, and staff placement, law practice management audits, billing audits, courier, and process services, and finally, the eBay store, through which we sell our law firm clients' gently used office equipment. The ALRPRA promotion division, called Law Publicist, focuses on law firm marketing, branding, and image consulting, as well as traditional public relations functions, including monthly communications services. We promote our mission through our radio show and as well our free monthly social media conference calls and our monthly publication called The Law Publicist on Point, which features experts who contribute law practice management articles and resources. We are always looking for great content and advertisers for our Illinois and California editions of The On Point. Today is Thursday, March 4, 2010, and I'm your host, Nick Augustine. Today's guest is career consultant Dr. Leah Jackman-Whitener, whose program called Taming the Jealous Mistress helps Dr. Leah work to help her clients manage the stress of being a lawyer. Dr. Leah helps you learn how to enjoy the law again or get out. Um, today, before we begin, we appreciate the opportunity to remind you that we broadcast every Thursday afternoon at 3 p.m. Central, which is also 4 p.m. Eastern and 1 p.m. Pacific. We do have a great show for you this afternoon, and we'll open up for callers after 30 minutes and be sure to email your questions during the show to info at alrpra.com, which is, again, info, I-N-F-O, at alrpra.com, or please call in by dialing area code 917-889-9732 and press option 1 to be placed in the caller queue. The telephone number, again, is area code 917-889-9732 and press option 1 to be placed in the queue. By way of some biographical background, here's some information about today's guest. Career consultant Leah Jackman-Whitener, Ph.D., has been consulting and coaching professionals like you, lawyers, for seven years. In addition to her career consulting experience, she brings to the table all of her insights and skills gained from 11 years of providing psychotherapy. Dr. Leah enjoys helping lawyers address their specialized career issues, and no one is better equipped to do so. Dr. Leah is a published author who holds a master's and doctorate degrees in counseling psychology from The Ohio State University. She is a licensed psychologist in the state of Indiana and graduated cum laude from the University of Missouri at Columbia with a double major in psychology and French with general honors and honors in psychology. Dr. Leah is a member of Phi Beta Kappa. Dr. Leah has also been given, has given hundreds of speeches and seminars and is available for keynotes, CLEs, and workshops on career issues. Dr. Leah, how are you doing today? Dr. Leah, are you with us? We seem to have lost Dr. Leah. Let's unmute her. Dr. Leah, are you there? Hey, Nick. Are you there, Dr. Leah? Yeah, I'm back here. Sorry. Okay, I sorry. Hit, I hit ignore to a phone call, and then it logged me out. It was a great oh, way to okay. get a program. <laughs> well, all is not lost. We, uh, I gave you a wonderful introduction and told everybody how you are going to uh, talk to them on how to uh, tame the jealous mistress and manage the stress of being a lawyer. So, wonderful. All right. So how are you doing today? Good? Great. It's been a great day. Lots of sunshine here. All right. Well, um, we are having some sunshine here in uh, Illinois as well, and um, at, at any rate, we're ready to uh, 
go ahead and uh, you know ask you some questions and have a dialogue here on what it is that you do professionally in uh, helping your uh, attorney clients manage their stress and talk about some career coaching and career consulting. So um, if I may just uh, go ahead and get started, um, you know, I, <laughs> I know from my background uh, in law, um, and so do many of us, but tell us in your, in your words, Dr. Leah, why is it lawyers are so stressed out? Well, as you know, um, the billable hour requirements across the country have d- done nothing but increase over the last 20 to 40 years. And that seems to be the key factor that, that has created the stress on lawyers. You know, 40 years ago, it wasn't, it was considered a tough job, but not as emotionally taxing. Now, if you've got to bill 2,000 hours a year, well, you know what it takes in terms of hours spent at work to be able to accomplish 2,000 hours of billing. That just becomes an incredible demand on folks. And, and, and along with that, um, people give up a lot of control, so you lose a lot of just general quality of life. Hmm. Um, you know, quality of life just because what job comes work comes first. Yeah, really. I mean, ha- have you known very many lawyers who can really put family first and have it actually work for their lives? <laughs> you know, yeah. they try, but how hard is that? It becomes an impossible challenge. It is. It is a difficult thing. Um, what are some of the work challenges that some uh, of your clients bring to you when they uh, you know, talk about their stress? Problems they focus on are the long hours that they work, um, demands from clients, demands from partners. You know, you, you're competing, you're managing competing people, and um, your client's issue may be at odds with what it is that you feel like would be best for the firm or would be best for another aspect of the case. There's, um, my 13-year-old actually said last year, she said, well, guys, it's got to be hard to be a lawyer because to represent someone else and to care about their own interest and, and what the client wants, you have to set aside everything about what you want. And I think that kind of sums it up, you know, out of the mouths of kids. Mm-hmm. The work that, with the work that lawyers do, you're facing constantly an incredibly difficult office situation and in the personal situation within yourself, how do you manage that stress becomes very difficult. It is very true. Um, you know, one of the things that you and I talked about uh, when discussing the show today uh, were, you know, some of the challenges that the lawyers face and how people may not uh, realize, you know, the general public and the clients don't realize all the burdens. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. One of the things that um, that I think the, the general public thinks lawyers should be grateful and happy. Oh, you know, and, I, and I've, I've heard this from friends. One of my friends' husbands is a, a physician, and she says to me, you know, well, lawyers, they have it made. You know, they're making all this money, and it's not like they're getting called out in the middle of the night to do surgery. Why should they complain? And I and I had to laugh because I thought that's exactly what people say about physicians, right? Well, they should be happy. They're making a lot of money. Well, really, what is it that people walk out of law school and what what's the debt ratio or debt you know debt amount that you walk out of law school with? It can be unreasonable. Lawyers and doctors, same situation. The difference I think between lawyers and doctors, though, is lawyers are always on call. Maybe you're not getting called out to do surgery in the middle of the night, but if you're a physician you've got a group practice, and you know you only carry the pager, you know, every so many days. With lawyers, you never know when some client's going to have an emergency. And yeah, so you're essentially on call 24-7, and people it's, don't get the demands on you. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, uh, just especially in certain practice areas, you know, family law being one of them, um, you know, situations that I've worked worked with where, um, you know, a client will be calling, you know, sometime during the weekend when a visitation uh, issue went awry or whatnot. And there are often times that you really do have to stop everything you're doing. Um, you know, so it's, it is an incredible demand. Um, exactly. You know, yeah. You know, and additionally, one of the things that, um, you know, I, that generally is a, a true statement, um, that is, it really is tough to be happy uh, you know, in your life generally when you do have so much stress and, you know, you have to, you're someone else's case there, 
um, their livelihood or their money or you know whatever the practice exactly. or the topic is is uh, you know it's in your it's in your lap so it's kind of hard to be uh, you know cheery and uh, you know happy yourself with things going on in your life when you have everything else going on so uh, do you see right. a lot of those complaints? Yeah, actually, I was uh, was just thinking about that. One of um one of my lawyers said again, a family law guy that at Christmas time. His wife wants to go to parties. His wife wants to entertain at their house. And all he wants to do is pull the blinds and lock the door. Because he, what has he done? He spent the last two or three weeks having phone call after phone call from family cases and custody battles and, well, are they allowed to take him here? And I don't want this. And do you know who he's dating? And on and on and on. And to, he, to him... He's just relieved that the holiday finally arrived so that the phone will stop ringing. And he knows that the moment he goes back in the office, it's going to be like what you just said. The phone's going to ring again. Here's what happened. Here's the drama. Here's how awful it was. And how can you not take home that burden? How can you not, you know, carry the thoughts with you? It's, you know, there's... um, (laughs) The real short answer to the question uh, is there's a reason that I am doing what I do as a law practice management guy, the reason I choose not to practice. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> family law killed it for me. Um, yeah. you know, it, it, it's, you know, it's a very, the, the tough part seems to be also that when you get emotionally, a lot of people get emotionally invested um, in their clients and in their cases, and it's really hard as a human being, it seems not to do that. Do you have clients who tell you the same? Yeah, same thing. That that issue of you have to be invested in in the client and the and the case, but you can't be too emotionally wrapped up to where you feel like your success is reflected in how the client turns out or how the case turns out. Learning uh, to draw that distinction in your mind is a very is a really challenging part of law, and then maintaining it. And that's where I think the general public sees lawyers as cold or heartless. Where they may not be, they've just learned to draw real tight boundaries so that things don't get absorbed into them too hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I forgot what I was going to I was going to say, if you don't draw that boundary, what is it that your life's going to be like? Yeah, right, exactly. Um, you know, and that's a lot of controlling the... Um, Controlling the, you know, controlling the nature of, um, you know, the the relationship with the client, you know, and that's one of the, that's a practice tip that I'm sure you'll probably touch on. Um, so, you know, we, you know, we can both agree that um, it is a difficult thing. It's a very demanding profession, and often a very thankless one. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and lawyers are often the subject of jokes, ridicule, and attack. Um, you know, we have vendors calling all the time. You know, trying to sell this or that, um, you know, assuming that, you know, there are, you know, deep pockets. Well, you know, half the time a lot of sole practitioners um, are so busy with their cases it's hard to keep up with the business matters of things. So, um, you know, it is, you know, it is a very difficult thing. So when you do get, uh, you know, people interested in finding out how um, a career coaching consultant like yourself can help them, what is your approach uh, generally um, to a new uh, person that you meet, a new client? How is it I go about helping them, or what's yeah, yeah. My... How do you go? Yeah, what? Uh, what's the pro? Well, I, I suppose what's the process, yeah. but uh, generally, what's your theory on how you can help them? Because you, yeah. I mean, when you're talking to a lawyer, you have, um, <laughs> you have just so much, um, you know, time to explain, um, you know, who you are, why you're relevant to them, how you can help. So, how do you approach that? Yeah, it, it's it's really been fun marketing to lawyers because they actually care about how I approach the things. <laughs> you know, <laughs> most of the population just cares that you can help them. Lawyers want to know what is it you're going to do to me and how and how is that going to happen. Right. And, you know, actually that's a lot of fun for me to talk about, um, which is why I work with lawyers because the process matters to lawyers. The process that we go through and the theory behind it, they recognize the importance of it. My general approach is to, just like you did in law school, when you IRAC cases, I IRAC careers. And so we break down the career issue into, um, into the issue. You know, when I sit down to talk to somebody or if I'm on the phone or an email because I work 
both across the country and then um, into Canada and Mexico, um, Come on. you know, through the wonders of the Internet. Um, if I'm working with somebody, my questions are, what's all the background, and then what are the hidden issues that they don't know are there? So I've got to discern that through the process. So I ask tons of questions about everything from your favorite courses in high school to what's working right now and what's not and everything in between. I mean, all data is relevant for me. What the medical issues are that you're facing, kind of where the stresses come out for you. Um, so we look at that. I start gathering all this data and, and put it, I put things together in a report form just because I'm the kind of person who always writes things down. And I think that helps my clients to then have something in writing to refer back to later. I put all that in writing, look at the issue, and then we figure out what's the rule. You know, and for me, I'm assessing in my head to what degree are the issues based on personality style, behavioral style, learning style, generational issues, um, learning history, like what, what your past has been like, vocational um, identity issues, your values, and then the current situation. So there's this myriad list of issues, um, almost like theoretical perspectives that I'm filtering data through and then figuring out what proportion of the issues right now are attributed to each of those different factors about who you are. So for one person, they may be having difficulty in their firm and, in it, and, the, and the inability to move up in the firm because they can't get out and market. That might be because they've got no data and experience marketing, or it might be because their personality is really adverse to that. So the personality, and I've got one set of solutions. If it's um, lack of data and knowledge, then there's a whole different set of solutions. So I put all that together in writing and synthesize that and put the analysis together to say, Here's what you've got going on. Here's the reasons that this is occurring. And then put together the conclusion with the list of solutions for them. What happens after that? What happens next? Pardon me? And what happens, what happens next? next? Kind of depends. For some people, that's all they need. You know, I, I used to use a tagline of change your life and business in five hours. Um, you know, if I've got two to five hours with somebody, I can gather the data to help them see their lives in a different way. And when you can see your life in a different way, sometimes that's all you need to be able to make it work differently over time. I've got other clients I work with for you know five years or more where what they want is an ongoing ability to have a sounding board where they can call somebody up, they know it's confidential, they know they can talk to me and say, okay, here's the stuff I've got, here's the interplay of these issues. And I can say, well, that reminds me of the situation you have with this, and have you thought about that? You know, what, have you tried this solution, that solution, or do you think it has to do with this other factor that you haven't considered yet? So some people want that ongoing sounding board. Lots of folks just want to get in, understand it, and then take that knowledge and walk away. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you mentioned that you have clients who are – uh, you know, just not not just in Indiana, not just in the continental United States, but um, you know, all over the place. So most of this, uh, you know, how often do you, how many of the clients do you, you know, actually meet, um, you know, in person? Uh, do you do video uh, with them, uh, or you know, how how does it work? You know, are some of them just on the phone and emails. I suppose it's a yeah. variety. Yeah, a whole variety. I mean, and I think over the over the years, I've been doing career things and, and consulting the consulting business has kind of been an ebb and flow at different times. I've had more, um, more folks who are within that driving range distance where they want to come see me. Um, some folks I, you know, I've worked with a couple years by phone, and then I end up on vacation in their area, and we sit down and have a meeting then. So I end up meeting somebody you know, after I've, I feel like I know them very well. Um, so quite a wide variety. It depends on what works for the person. Some people prefer to meet me in person, so they'll make the drive. Certainly, you know, and I'm gonna throw. I, I never intended to even talk about this today, but I'm gonna toss it out there. Huh? Facebook, um, meeting people oh, yeah. on Facebook, knowing them on Facebook, and I, I you know, um, I have tend, I have tended to forget over time that that is how I came to know you. Um, you yeah. know, a long time back when uh, we were building our fan base and letting people know about law practice management, um, either you found me or I found you. Uh, you know, and I was talking about MBA work, and you know, we started talking. Um, you know, and I've called you, you know, to talk about the stress of, 
um, you know, because I still have some uh, clients who I do, you know, legal work for, um, attorney clients, that is, you know, because I had an overflow research and consulting business for years. So, um, you know, I still have some of that and still feel some of those similar stresses that the rest of my colleagues um, you know, are often right. experiencing. So, you know, on Facebook, uh, you know, I see you on Facebook, you know, hi, you know, I know, I feel like I know the music you like, you know, what trips you take and things, and you yeah, really get definitely. to share in person. And it's a much more personal, I find it um, to be a much easier to talk to you because you, you're, you know, there's more besides just a name, a face and a sweet voice. You know, I know more, a little bit more about you and you maybe know a little bit more about me. So, you know, maybe yeah. you might, you know, so th- what are your rules then? Do you have rules in place? Um, with, you know, communication with clients on Facebook, or how do you address that? Is that something you just kind of take as it comes, or? You know, I always used to joke people with people, um, and it was more of an issue originally locally, and, and now with working across the nation, and with, the, with, with my presence on Facebook, I used to joke that once you were my client, you're part of my family. You know, <laughs> just, you know we just have to be a family, and you know, I'm not real rigid about that. If somebody wants, because if I've worked with a client and they've, um, you know, it becomes a very close relationship. They've told me a lot of stuff about their life. If they tell me, I don't know, they're making they're making a change. Well, they pop up six months later and they tell me what they did and what the outcome was. I I want to know that, you know. Or hey, there's this stressor again. Yeah, definitely. Pop me an email. Let me know what's going on. If it makes sense to do a short-term consulting thing, then I'm real open to that. Or if it's just you want to let me know, that's fine too. But again, that's why Facebook works well for me is because I I have a real flexible style like that. You know, I want to I want to be able to make sure people get the help that they need. And whether that's you hear me at a presentation, you get a couple of ideas, you implement them or whether you're a long-term ongoing client, I want to make sure that you've got your needs met at the level you want them. Right, right. And whether that's, and you know, I was thinking also, you know, I've had clients fly out to see me because they'd rather do that intensive, focused one-on-one in person rather than over the phone. Well, you know, that's great. That works for me. It's, you know, and it's interesting when we talk about the different ways we communicate with clients and, um, you know, on the point on the topic of social media, um, I know it's a sensitive, um, you know, topic for a lot of attorneys because uh, there's, you know, generally a sense of, you know, controlling the expectations of the attorney-client relationship, and some attorneys are not comfortable with clients finding them on Facebook um, or knowing intimate details about their lives or their family or whatnot, and, um, you know, I get these questions. I lecture, um, you know, on social media use as part of a marketing campaign, you know, pretty often, and uh, these are often questions that I get, um, you know, when I talk about adjusting settings and this and that. So, um, But there are some attorneys out there who do have a, you know, rather, you know, open policy, um, you know, about communicating just so long as you don't abuse that and, um, uh-huh. you know, flood them, flood their fan page, with, you know, because, you know, given given the opportunity there, you know, especially in family law, when you uh, are often finding good people, you know, sometimes at their worst points, um, you know, in time, um, you know, there's a potential for abuse and trouble there. So, uh, you know, it's an interesting thing uh, for all of us to, to hear how different people use social media, um, you, you know, know one professionally. Of, one, of my, one of my thoughts about that also is that's why I got out of doing therapy. That's why I want to do consulting is because when you're doing therapy, there's so much, the boundaries are much thicker. You know, I walked through the grocery store and I would, you know, I'd warn people in advance when I first sat down with them, I'd say, okay, my kids know that I'm not allowed to say who it is that my clients are. So if I see you in the grocery store, number one, it's up to you to say hi to me or not. But if I say hi to you, it'd be a lot easier if I can just say, oh, that's my friend Sue, because then my kids won't ask questions. Well, you know, with consulting, there's no stigma. People know me for all kinds of reasons and in all kinds of circumstances. And some people come to me because they want some help with productivity and time management, and some people are trying to figure out what am I going to do for a job change and everything in between. Mm-hmm. So it's a much more comfortable thing. So I think it's easier for people to pop me down on Facebook and or people to talk about having been my client because there's not a stigma attached to it. Right, right. 
Um, yeah. You know, you you do to touch on some of the typical problems uh, and concerns that clients bring. Do you want to talk more a little bit about some of the typical issues that um, that a patient or client or uh, we know will present to you? Oh yeah, you know, the kinds of problems lawyers face. Um, again, let's go back to our 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 physician analogy. Um, I heard this great analogy, and I can't remember the guy's name to quote him, but it was a wonderful video online where he talked about the difference between surgeons and lawyers, that surgeons are, are just have as equally as much sense of, I've got somebody's life in my hands as a lawyer might have. A lawyer knows it's somebody's life in my hands or somebody's, um, their livelihood is in my hands. But for a surgeon, you've got a, a team of people working for the client but you don't have an opposing team of surgeons across the room ready to take you down. It's very true. And that's, and that's the stress for lawyers. There's an opposing team of surgeons across the or opposing team of lawyers across the room ready to take you down. And for lawyers, that surgery goes on for days or weeks because a trial. You know, you've heard those stories about people losing 15 pounds, having to wear suspenders by the end of the trial because they couldn't sleep, couldn't eat. You know how many lawyers are on um, sleeping medication? Mm. Almost oh, yeah. every lawyer I know complains about not being able to sleep. Some are on meds, some of them aren't. Mm. But the, all of the mental stress frequently becomes physical symptoms. Migraines, difficulty sleeping, um, uh, trouble with their legs because they're sitting too long. You know, I've had people tell me that their specialists, either cardiologists, family physicians, are telling them to get out of doing law. Well, maybe they need to get out of doing law, or maybe they just need to be able to think about it differently so it doesn't stress them out. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they need to be able to manage their workday better so that they're not sitting for as many hours in a row. Those kinds of things can help a lot. Um, so I, I hear a lot of physical symptoms from lawyers. Um, the, the mental health issues for lawyers are massive. The, just take a moment and hear these numbers. Staggering. Lawyers have three times the rate of depression as the general population. Three times the rate of depression. Lawyers wow. have almost twice the rate of alcoholism. So the general population has the alcoholism rate of about 10%. Lawyers have about 18%. Um, generalized anxiety disorder, just kind of general being anxious overall. 4% for the general population. 30% of female lawyers, 20, oh sorry, 30% of male lawyers. 20% of female lawyers. 17% of lawyers admit to having three to five drinks a day, alcoholic drinks. Huge, How many? Huge. What percentage? 17% say that they have three to five alcoholic drinks a day. Wow. Huge numbers. The divorce rate's massive. I mean, I, yeah. 25% of lawyers say that they have um Physical anxiety symptoms, trembling hands, racing heart, um, feeling faint at least three times a month for the previous 12 months. Major well, stresses. Major wow. stresses on lawyers. Well, and it, here's, it, let me ahead. tell you the fun one. This, one. this one cracks me up just because everybody's got a trace of it anyway. You uh-huh. know, but the obsessive compulsive rates. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to laugh, right? Because, you know, I'll tell you about how I have to have the um, lotion bottle faced a certain way. So everybody's got a little tweak on something that they've got going. The, the, <laughs> the lotion population. bottle in a certain way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the 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 end where the lotion comes out has to be facing left because I am pressed down with my right hand into my left hand. So that's, that's how it has to face. And well, I have that's, to read the words. Oh, know. my. Okay, well, you know. I so mean, everybody's got, got their, their little thing. thing. Everybody's yeah, got their thing. That's my lotion bottle. Don't come to my office and like put pictures off kilter because I'll spend all day fixing them. <laughs> yeah, and it'll stress you out until you do, won't it? <laughs> right, 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 right. right. Uh, yeah, okay. What so, the OCD? I mean, you know, it's interesting when you talk about OCD and things like that. Um, you know, there are I, you can see how in law practice it happens. Um, uh-huh. You know, especially if you've got other, you know, other people working with you. You know, the attorney is ultimately responsible for all the work of the staff. So, exactly. like, checking and double check. I mean, you can see how it happens easily. You right. know, a right. totally unintentional, you know. Exactly. The obsessive compulsive rate for the general population is 1.4 to 2%. Again, 1.4 to 2%. For um, 
Male lawyers, 21%. Oh, God. And 15% for female lawyers. Oh, my God. That's a, that, those are some big numbers. That's a big jump right. in numbers. Right. But think about it. What makes a good lawyer? Pessimism, a little bit of paranoia and suspiciousness, and perfectionism. Yep. Yep. And perfectionism. Actually, just, well, it, just it, last night, I, I... Go ahead. Well, I'm just saying, if I may jump in for a second, the uh, the um, the problem with the perfectionism uh, it becomes like delay in responding to opposing counsel, delay in yes. getting discovery done, delay which now causes so these things that are required, um, the traits that are required of the attorney end up compounding the attorney's problem. Exactly, exactly. The traits are required. The disorder isn't. The traits are required. The disorder isn't. So that to me is the key, is, you know, I don't do therapy. I'm not going to sit there and tell you what your diagnosis is and how you can treat it, but I am going to tell you what we can do to decrease the stress on you. And usually what I find is all the symptoms decrease. Like I had a client in the fall where when I was working with the client, before I started seeing her, she was having three to five migraines a week over the course of months. Once we started working after after an initial analysis and a first session, she was down to having two migraines over a two week sorry, two headaches over a two week period that weren't migraines, two light headaches, you know, that Motrin took care of. Mm-hmm. Why? Because she felt like there was hope and things could get better. Wow. Just to, just an invite, you know, a change in. Um, um, what about what about environment? Change in environment, or is that that just popped in my head? Is that is that something that uh, gets talked about too? It depends on the person. Yeah. yeah. Some people, some people just need to be able to figure out what it is that, what it is specifically that's bothering them about the law. Billable hours might mean to one person lack of control. It might mean to another person that I'm missing family stuff. You know, it means different things to different people. So for some people, it's just understanding the stress and managing it. For other people, it's needing to um, shift areas of subpractice, you know, a specialty, a broad specialty or a subpractice area or getting out of an aspect and getting out of litigation. Yeah. Um, and for some people, it's, cha- you know, like you said, changing environment. For some people, it's purely, you know, I've had clients who couldn't handle if the building they worked in had had hallways that were too narrow. Like they, they just couldn't work in a building where they're walking through a hallway that's too narrow because it just felt like emotionally oppressive almost. They needed uh-huh. a much more spacious place. And once they're working in a spacious place, life's good. Yeah, and the hallways are often uh, the hallways are often uh, kind of compact because you got file cabinets and files in the hallways. Mm-hmm. You know, I, yeah, I've seen, yeah. we've seen these offices, right? You know. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's different solutions for different people. Sometimes it's the firm that's really the issue. Most people think they need to change firms, and really what they need to do is fix themselves because, you know, wherever you go, there you are. And if you've got a problem at one place, you're probably going to have a problem in another place. Right, unless right. You take care of what's going on inside of you. Exactly. Um, well, I'm going to throw this out here. I know we had a caller, um, someone calling right at the beginning of the show. If they want to call back, you know, we're at the 30-minute mark. The uh, telephone number again to call in is area code 917-889-9732. Again, 917-889-9732. Um, you know, Leah, we're talking about uh, some of the, uh, you know, you just mentioned that um, that often people are talking about changing practice areas or, uh, you know, certain things. And, you know, we all know those who have been, anyone who's worked in litigation before understands how difficult, uh, you know, that task is, especially just how much work sometimes goes into just getting a complaint at issue um, mm-hmm. and going back and forth with motions to dismiss. And, oh, you know, it's, it often happens too that, um, you know, the attorney on the defense side, if they're getting paid billable hour, you know, if their billable hours are getting paid by their client to defend a lawsuit, then, you know, the plaintiff, uh, you know, on that side, that's a contingent, you know, plaintiff's attorneys, you know, oftentimes mm-hmm. are not bringing in income, you know, while those cases are going on, and they can just go on forever. And, you know, clients have trouble sometimes, 
advancing some of the costs of litigation. And I mean, there are so many reasons that make litigation itself a distressful thing. Um, and I've talked to people who have switched from litigation into more transactional practice areas, um, and that has really helped them. So, um, so do you do you get a lot of people who are calling you because they're thinking either I want to jump ship. Um, forget being a lawyer. I, you know, I made this terrible mistake of going to law school when I was 21, and you know, help me, help me. Or, or are they looking to do a practice area change? Are they looking for one and then something else? I mean, how does it? What's the situation and context in which most of your, um, your clients reach out to you? Is the question? I, no, good question. I think the primary reason people will go ahead and call is because they want out completely. But the reality is most of my clients stay put. So if there was one myth that I could, you know, completely debunk for folks, it's that if you call a career consultant that you're going to have to change. Because that's intimidating. I think I actually hold, you know, that's the thing that holds people back from calling me is because they're afraid I don't want to make a wholesale change, whatever. You know, and I, and I, I like to joke that people's careers are probably the only thing that I'm super conservative about. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe the only thing I'm conservative about at all. Well, is that good to be conservative really, about that thing, right? Yeah, well, yeah. I'm real conservative about people's careers because people will say, follow your bliss. But, you know, bliss doesn't pay the electric bill. Right. So I'm not going to tell people, oh, just trash it and go live in a yurt. You know, I mean, that's that's a little extreme for most folks. You got a life. You maybe have a family. You got commitments. You got a house. You got a car payment. Whatever. You've built your life in a certain way. And if you want to change that, great. But that's a slow process. If you try and do that real fast, you'll have a rebound effect and 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 crash harder. So people call when they're ready to say, "Okay, I can't take it. I'm ready to throw in the towel." But what they usually need is a shift in and what they're actually doing. So, like you said, getting out getting out of litigation, that's another thing that has drawn several people. They're you know, they just are thinking, I can't litigate anymore, can't stand it, can't stomach it. Right. What you said earlier and I, I wanted to come back before I forget, um, people's obsessive compulsiveness delaying the actual getting the work done. I think that happens a lot. You know, people are worried about either making it perfect enough or like you said, reviewing somebody else's work for the third time to make sure there's nothing that got missed, that that becomes this stressor in and of itself. And then if you so if you've got that working against you and then you're doing something that's um, that's emotionally taxing as well as deadline driven, like the litigation piece, then it becomes, you know, it's kind of like a like the wagons are circled around you and the guns are all pointing at you from every angle. Mhm. So, yeah. Yeah. Very true. Um, you know, another thing that's that I find interesting, uh, you know, some of the motivating factors for people. Um, you know, I look at my own my own case, you know, having my uncle was a judge and I grew up in his courtroom essentially, um, and followed I have other lawyers and judges, and, you know, in the family. So, I followed family footsteps. Um, you know, and then realized a lot, you know, you know, not far, you know, not far out of law school that I was, you know, spending more time engaging in more of the business activities of the firm. And, um, you know, that I, I could tell that my brain was, you know, shifting in different directions and other things were interesting to me. Um, I found that, um, you know, dueling motions to dismiss and being a real pleading technician was something that I really enjoyed, um, you know, and oftentimes would just get so stuck in the idea of beating an opposing counsel over, um, you know, actually, you know, thinking about, you know, some of the more, you know, relevant things and, you know, keeping there. So, um, you know, it was always very, you know, for me, it was kind of a strategy type thing. You know, I was thinking about strategy stuff, business things. And, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it, it's no surprise now that I do what I do. Um, you know, right. but some people go into law school for so many different reasons. Do you ever have people who suggest that, you know, I just, you know, went in for the wrong reasons. Now I'm stuck with this. What can I salvage? I mean, do you find that there are people who really probably should not have become attorneys? I I think there are people who think it was a mistake. I, you know, I'm not one of those people who says everything happens for a reason, but I do think you can grow from whatever happened. So to me, it's it's almost 
it's almost pointless to say it was a mistake. I would rather show you why it happened because, oh, I can't think of an exception to this rule, but I can't, I want to say I can always, but, you know, there's probably some exception, but can't think of one. Um, I can always tell you why it is you did it because people think I did it, I made a mistake, I shouldn't have done it. Well, you know what? There was a reason you did it, or there were several reasons, um, several factors that coalesced and made you go that route. So whether it seems like the best choice right now, it was the best choice at the time that you did it. You know what I mean? So understanding that sometimes actually just takes enough of the pressure off folks to where they aren't beating themselves up over why they got in there. And then we figure out what is it you want to do instead. Is it that, again, you need a wholesale change or is it that you just need to make some tweaks to what you're doing and how you're thinking about it? Sure. And, and I'd rather – go ahead. Yeah, well, and, you, you know, it sounds like you mentioned that a lot of people come back around to, you know, how, how to fix their current situation instead of really jumping yeah. ship, so to speak. Right, right. Let's let's do everything we can to fix the situation as it exists, and then if you still tell me you want out, okay. Mm-hmm. But until you've done all the work to fix what you're doing right now, you'll never know if it could have been okay where where you are. Mm-hmm. And it's really a very small handful of people who end up changing wholesale. Mm-hmm. What do you find um, are people, uh, you know, as far as uh, I'm thinking, you know, a lot of my clients are small law firms and sole practitioners, um, and I, you know, and the reason that I'm there is because of, you know, the stresses and, you know, things that are imposed upon them, you know, our companies that are trying to offer solutions. So, you know, knowing that that's a problem for people, um, how much of your uh, clients that come to you are complaining um, about the business aspect of it uh, as opposed mm-hmm. to the actual practicing part of it? <laughs> Definitely. Of the solos and small people, that's it. I mean, you know, you had a business background as well as having grown up in the law. So you knew all that stuff going in. Most uh-huh. folks don't. Most folks are trying to run run the business end of it or even just, you know, even associates in big firms are trying to do the, the bringing in the business um, with the networking and marketing and but really have no background and experience, and they feel very overwhelmed by it. So, yeah, the the running of the practice itself, um, managing staff when, you know, maybe that's not your personality or your preference in the first place. You know, if you went to law because you want the intellectual challenge, then running the practice, running a firm is really not what's going to make you personally satisfied. Right. Yeah. So you got to yeah. either figure out how to make it tolerable or how to farm it out. Certainly. Um, I'm just trying to think whatever follow-up questions I had. You know, there you know there are a lot of uh, career consultants that are out there. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I know that in a lot of the business uh, activities that I do, because you know, in addition to our you know our traditional brand is uh, you know our work for our law firms, but we also have some small business clients, um, and I attend a lot of chamber events and am, am constantly um, no well not constantly but quite frequently. Uh, exposed to business coaches and career coaches that have a lot of, um, you know, general information and, um, you know, there's a whole variety of, you know, prices and, you know, amounts that you can spend on career consulting. Um, and I know that your rates are, you know, quite reasonable for, um, you, know, give, you know, given what everything that you are able to do for your clients. Um, so can you just kind of follow up with a few points on why um, it is necessary to have someone who actually does work specifically with lawyers to handle those stresses? Yeah, yeah, good question. You know, to me, the thing is lawyers are different and they know it. And if somebody who used to do physical therapy and now became a life coach tries to tell a lawyer how to run a happy business by, you know, let's just focus on what went well for the day. Well, yeah, you know, I give people that advice. Let's focus on what's going right instead of, beating ourselves up about what's wrong. But if you haven't done the research to understand what it really is like living life as a lawyer, if you don't understand what it's like inside the head of a lawyer, I don't know how you can really be a help. You know, it's, it's just different because 
lawyers are all about the analysis. And I think too many too many business coaches come in with simple solutions of this is how good businesses run when they may not understand the practice of law and they probably don't understand the politics involved in law offices. Um, career consultants come in and say, gosh, I heard a story about a, a career consultant telling a lawyer um, about the ideal job would be to go become a veterinarian. Well, that's cool, and that job would have made that person happy, but she had kids and a mortgage and, you know, a life here, and they were saying move across the country, the career consultant You know, that's just a little extreme. I, I think... I think the important thing is for to work with consultants who can understand you and help you understand yourself because the average career consultant hands you a test and says, take this test and I'll tell you what you should do for your living. Well, that doesn't explain to you why it is that that's true. You know, the analysis, and in in, if you Iraq a case, the analysis is where the heart of the matter is. So that's what I want to tell you is where the, where the analysis of your life is. Right. Rather than just, you know, well, go into construction management or perhaps you should leave law and go be a CEO. Well, that's excessively simplistic. Well, it okay, is. I got to tell you my favorite, my favorite philosophy yeah, joke. Sure. Okay, I want to give people the right answer that's that's the most complete, complete answer because sometimes parsimony doesn't cut it. Remember Occam's razor and parsimony? Oh, Occam's okay. razor and a razor would cut. <laughs> parsimony doesn't cut it. <laughs> I'm a philosophy <laughs> dork. Okay, this is why I like lawyers because, you know, y'all play with words and I can make jokes about philosophy. So, right. you know. <laughs> I, don't, I haven't heard, you heard, I have you heard a good philosophy joke lately, you know? Really? That's my, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember when I thought of that. I thought, that's just a great line. Parsimony doesn't always cut it. So, so seriously, though, I mean, if somebody came to a lawyer and sat down and gave them an hour and a half worth of fill-in-the-blank inventories and they said, yes, I'd rather add up a column of numbers than work on a car, and then the person, you know, the career consultant says to the lawyer, okay, well, it looks like you would be happy running a corporation. Well, what good is that conversation? What? Yeah, what? What? I, what? Excuse me. Well, here's the pro, you know, and here's another problem, um, and I get this all the time from my, from people who are sending me resumes because um, you know we stat we do you know staffing for for attorneys and whether it's a permanent placement or temporary or whatever it is, um, I, I often get resumes and people will you know explain that they want to do this or that or they're trying to get out of the practice area or they're trying to get out of law generally. Um, and some people have come to me and said, I can't get out of law without taking law off my resume because um, mm-hmm. the general, you know, you know, public out there believes that, you know, you know, it's, I don't know, either that the person is going to go right back to being a lawyer or that there's just, there's nothing else they can do, um, you know, or that they're overqualified. I hear this one all the time. Um, all these people are overqualified to do anything else that, you know, once you can, you know, to the extent that you can, you know, run a jury trial, apparently that makes you unable to learn other tasks. It makes you unable to understand other things in business. Um, you know, and that's a lot of the thought out there. Yeah. Just, people are so scared of, of doing that. So a lot of people, I think, do stay in the profession when they were trying to get out or, they, or maybe they don't even think about or maybe they suffer through it instead of calling a career consultant because, um, they think, well, you know, here I, I'm, you know, we're running on a life sentence here. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's yeah, very hard. Uh, you get pigeonholed. Right. And, and everybody tries to tell you, oh, it's the best degree. You can use it for anything. Now you and I both know that learning to think like a lawyer is incredibly beneficial across the board, except insofar as it makes you pessimistic about life. Yeah, um, <laughs> But the process of thought, yeah, you can take that and do anything with it. But you're right. It intimidates people, and um, and it makes them think you're overqualified and a whole bunch of other things. So if you really want out, it's a very delicate balance of, you know, how are you going to rewrite your path so that it doesn't freak people out and make them think, 
I don't know. I, I think actually a, a lot of the public is just afraid of lawyers. They feel intimidated by them, intimidated by them intellectually, and intimidated by the thought process. So mm-hmm. if you really went out, that process takes time and, and a very a very careful, measured approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> All right. Well, you know, one of the I'm sorry, I got distracted temporarily. Um, I had an email come and I thought it was uh, someone with a question. It was something else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we talk about stress management and management um, generally, and some of the common um, common issues, and of course, I, I'm not asking you to give up your trade here. Um, you know, what you're doing. You know, we want to encourage people to call at least to find out if there's something that you can help them with. Um, but other than that. Do you have any general bits of advice or general suggestions for people who are feeling, you know, for lack of a better, you know, diagnosis, stressed out? Yeah, um, I, I think that the first key is figuring out what the prob- what the core problem is, because there's always the problem you think you have, and then underneath that are the hidden core problems that are causing or perpetuating that issue. So we got to make sure we've got the analysis right of what the actual problem is, and then once we figure that out, then what are the what are the mental shifts that you need to make to be able to make life better? Does that make sense? It does. It does. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, and, and, go ahead. I was going to say, let, let me think about um, a good example. So, uh, family law person, um, you know, may think well, can I still do family law because I can't stand, um, let's go back to that, you know, you get a whole bunch of calls from the run-up to the, you know, kids' winter break. Um, family law person thinks i got to get out of family law, but I'm not sure what I'd do instead. Well, maybe, you know, then that's a, pr- a process of conversation. Let me find out what aspects of it you actually dislike and then look at is it that um, that family law is no longer for you or is it that you failed to put enough boundaries in place or failed to hire the right kind of staff to screen out and manage as many phone calls as possible for you, things like that. Then what I usually find is that um, clients need to make a bunch of mental shifts and very few actual technical shifts in their life. So, hmm. so it's a whole bunch of changing your thought process about something and a little bit of changing what you actually do all day. That's, and for you know, each that's, that's different. That's, you know, and that is, you know, I, I, I very much will uh, agree with you on that, um, you know, as I try to balance, you know, things that I'm doing with, um, you know, because, again, uh, with, you know, my clients being attorneys in law firms, I get, you know, the same stresses that are, are you know, going upon them are impacting me as well. Um, Mm -hmm. because, you know, there are times that I'm waiting for my clients to respond to things in emails, and I know I have to be patient, um, you know, and understand the, uh, you know, the the stress. And, you know, there are times that I will run into clients, um, you know, who owe me an email or phone call, and it's just everyone's profusely apologizing all the time. And I tell them, Mm -hmm. like, you don't have to apologize to me. I understand um, you know, just you know, be honest and keep the communication going. Um, but it, you know, it is it is difficult to um, to learn to think that way because you often feel you know very um, very alone. Uh, and a mm-hmm. lot of attorneys seem to really enjoy you know the camaraderie of you know telling war stories and you know complaining with someone else who you know <laughs> feels like they're just as miserable. Well, yeah, and it's an incredibly alienating profession because. Even if you have someone you, you think you can trust in your firm and someone you can bounce ideas off of or, you know, talk through a case, you know, talk through a challenge you've got right at that moment, you don't know whether that person's going to be at a competing firm in six months. And now they know your weakness. Oh, God, yeah. It's incredibly alienating. So there is that, you know, what can you do? You can tell war stories, like you're saying, people can sit around and, you know, sit around the bar and tell war stories, that's the safe way to complain or, or process what you're doing all day because to actually say to someone, wow, this is really difficult and it's wearing on me, it's, it's possibly career suicide to do that. Right, right. Realistically. 
True. Yeah. Yeah. We have, we have, we have a very difficult thing. I was going to say, it's, it's a tricky balance to find because, you know, those are the things that make lawyers miserable and feel alienated and, and unhappy is because they don't have the, the kind of social network. The people outside the law can't understand the importance of what you're doing, and the people inside the law um, aren't necessarily safe to talk to because you don't know where they're going to be working in six months. And that's a good point that you that you bring up. You know that it's like you never know who you can talk to. Um, let's we have about we have a couple minutes left, so I just want to end up with one final question, um, and I'd like to end on a happy note because it's yeah. we're getting, you know. Um, w- tell me the tale of success um, in some of the people. I mean, I know that you have to have you know clients who when you ask them what's good about being a lawyer, people have to like you know there are times people light up and they're proud of what they do and they're really, you know, they really help someone. Um, do you have a general, you know, what, what's your experience with that? You, you want to know my favorite, favorite thing, um, besides that person who was no longer having migraines, that just tickled me to no end. My favorite thing to have happen is when a lawyer will call me and say, you know what, I no longer hate lawyers. Cracks <laughs> me up. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because really, y'all end up disliking each other and distrusting each other for some very, very valid reasons. Right. But that turns into this like negative self thought, you know, negative self image. Because you know, here I am in this profession, I despise everybody in this profession. And and once I haven't actually been able to figure out what's the critical factor yet, but there turns this point in the process and, and people will call me or come into an appointment or pop an email and say, you know what, I was at this event and I was thinking what great people these are in my profession. You know, look at the good they're doing for the community. And I'm like, how cool is that? Because six months ago you couldn't stand these people. Right, <laughs> right, know? right. Well, that is that is a good yeah. thing. So that that's what yeah. keeps you going. Um, oh, yeah, so, yeah. Good stuff. All right. Well, I I really encourage uh, people to to call you, and um, you know I've talked to you on several occasions. And um, to my audience out there, I will say that um, really there's no risk, uh, you know, no harm in giving Dr. Leah a call, um, you know, just to see if there's you know an opportunity to do some counseling and, and talk things through. It's not that she is going to, you know, tell you to you know sign a contract and fork over the next couple months' salary. Um, that's yeah. not how she how she works. She's very open and easy to talk to. So, D- Dr. Leah Jackman Whitener, thank you so much for being on the show today. Tell people real quick how they can get a hold of you. They can get a hold of me through my website, which is Consultant for Lawyers, Consultant and it's F O R spelled out, um, ConsultantsforLawyers.com, or they can email me direct at Leah L E A H at Confidence Book. Again, it's Leah L E A H at Confidence Book. Dot com. Um, and if you want to email me directly, I've got a, sur- a survey I can email you about how satisfied are you with your profession. Oh, very good, very good. Uh, prefer- and the, so we got you said the website, right? Yeah, okay. consultantforlawyers.com. Mm-hmm. Consultantsforlawyers.com. All right, well, thank you again, Leah. I really enjoyed it. Um, and, um, you know, as, as it's relevant in the future, we'd like to invite you back. Um, and I'd also like to thank all of our uh, audience members for either listening live today or uh, clicking on the link and listening later. Um, again, this is Nick Augustine from ALRPRA Incorporated. Um, we're, again, very happy and pleased to have consultant for lawyers, Dr. Leah Jackman-Whitener, today as our guest um, to discuss how lawyers can tame the jealous mistress and manage the stress of law. So, again, I'd like to, again, thank everyone for tuning in. Uh, ALRPRA Inc.'s mission is to help law firm and business patrons spend more time servicing their clients by our professionally professionally managing production and promotion activities. Our mission's underlying values are transparency, flexibility, and humility. We're a full-service law practice management agency available nationwide when professional quality matters to your production and promotion. Thanks, everyone, and we'll talk to you next week.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.